so good. Can we say it's so good today? It's a revelation of who he is. He is always good. He's good. Yeah. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope, your presence. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free. And my shame is undone. Oh, yeah. Your presence, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of love when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Oh, your presence, Lord. Sweetest of love, where my heart becomes free, and my shame is undone. It's only found in your presence. Love this place. Love this place 
us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us
bring it all to peace the storm surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the rage in me to still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus Jesus, Jesus, you silence me. 
declared it a national day of prayer, amen. And so things aren't perfect in our country. I, last night they weren't, and I woke up this morning and they weren't either. So, But uh, I want Miss Deb to come up, and if you feel led to pray for our nation this morning, we've got some, some big decisions coming up, some big elections coming up this fall, some Supreme Court nominees that, that need to make it through. So Miss Deb, can you go ahead and start praying for us? I will say this before I start praying is that there's still the National Day of Prayer that's set for every year. This is just an extra because he, he wanted to have that call to come out for churches all over. So, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, we praise you and we acknowledge you first of all, Lord. We give you honor and glory. Lord, there is no other like you. And Lord, we know that your name is above every single name. Your name is above everything that is taking place in our nation. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. Lord, we declare the blood that goes out over 
Donald J. Trump and over our country, Lord, over the Supreme Court, over the, the, the abortions, over transgender, all of the different things that our country is facing. Lord, there's many other things, Lord, but these, the, the Supreme Court and our president, Lord, are two major things right now coming up. Lord, we thank you that right now you go before our president, that you go before Judge Kavanaugh as he comes into the system this week to, to go before all of the hearings and everything is to, to be sworn in and, and to go through all he has to go through, Father. We thank you that you are equipping him, Lord, that you are causing him to speak the right words, Lord, that your word will be in his mouth, that your words will be in, in everything in the courtroom setting and the different places that he'll be this next week. So, Father, we thank you. Lord, we call forth other leaders and churches and every place all over our nation, God, to be raised up in prayer today and henceforth, Lord. We know about the, the word that John Kilpatrick brought out, Father, and we thank you, Lord, that even now, Lord, that you have even gone before our president, Lord, to break off any assignments of the enemy, Lord, to, to bring those things down uh, again, that's coming against him and our country, Lord. We thank you that you're giving him the mind of Christ, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We know that he's not a perfect man, Lord. None of us are. But, Lord, you, we know that you have set this man in office for such a time as this. And we thank you, Father, for doing what you're doing in our country, Lord, because we choose to believe that all is well because, Lord, you have set this this country in line and in order with your kingdom, Lord, because of bringing Donald J. Trump into the office. Father, we thank you, Lord, for our country. Lord, our country is not lost. Our country is not lost, Lord, and we need the covering. We need the prayers of the saints. We need the, the, the word to go out, Lord, to be in prayer, Lord, for our country. Lord, stir our hearts, Lord. Stir us up, God. Don't let us be passive. Don't let us be stagnant. Lord, let us rise up on behalf of what you're doing in our nation. And Father, those leaders that go out even before, uh, even like Dutch, Lord, the different people that go out on behalf of our country, Lord, that you will give them wisdom and insight, Lord, and in how to pray. Lord, show us how to pray even in greater ways, Lord. But we cover our nation this day with the blood of Jesus. We cover our nation. We cover our leaders. We, Lord, we're commanded to pray for our leaders, Lord, and we lift them up, Lord. We don't know them all by name, but Lord, you know. We, we just ask for the covering. We ask for the protection. We ask for the fire of heaven to come and to spread across our nation, God, to set things in the right order, to bring into right alignment those things that need to be done, Father. Lord, you continue, continue to expose the darkness, continue to pull the veil back, Lord. Continue to do the things, Lord, at your timing and in your way, Lord. We trust you to move in behalf of our country, Father. And we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Lord, that just today, Lord, that churches everywhere, we're in unity and in oneness across this nation, Lord, those who were willing to step into that. Lord, we thank you because there's power in agreement. And Father, we thank you that we agree today, Lord, 
that you're, you've got your eyes on our country. You've got your eyes on our president and all the leaders. You've got your eyes on every government office, Lord, and you know how things are being run and you know how you want it to be run. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that today, today, Lord, you see our hearts, you see our prayers, and we trust you, Father, to move in behalf of our country. Lord, and even above all of that, Lord, we ask that the name of Jesus would be so glorified and that your name would be honored in our nation like never before, Father. That your name be lifted high. <laughs> your name be lifted high in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, we thank you for covering this earth, Lord, with your mighty presence to bring the necessary shifts that need to be brought. And we just honor you today, Lord. And we trust that even in the midst of this, Lord, that souls will be saved, that people will be pulled out of the trenches and have their feet set upon a solid rock. We thank you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that quickens hearts and minds. So we honor you today, Lord. And we bless your mighty name and ask that you honor our prayers, Lord, because I know I'm not the only one praying. I know people's hearts are being stirred. Lord, that you would just move, that this would not stop here, but that it would go forth, Lord. Go forth, even from this day, Lord, that people's hearts will be so stirred to pray. And we thank you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So it's interesting, you know, there's a, a lot of times that we want to get frustrated at the way things are going, and I, we always ask God why, but one thing I feel like the Lord has shown me the last couple years, and I mean, it's just the truth, right, is the enemy cannot create, he can only distort and pervert, amen? So, I mean, there obviously is a, I don't want to just say there's a lot of perversion in, in, in our world, there's a lot of distortion, Right? And it's interesting because we want to like jump down people's throats and we want to tell them they're wrong and we want to say, Lord, how can they think like that? But, you, you know, if we take a step back, all that's really happening is they just have a distorted view of what reality is and what truth is. Amen. You know, that doesn't make them bad people or wrong people. I mean, they're, they're wrong technically. But, I mean, it, it's really just a distorted reality. So, Lord, I just pray that you just give us clear vision, Lord. Give our, give our leaders, Father God, the leaders of not just the country, Father God, but of the church, Lord, that should be leading your country, Lord. I just pray for just clear vision. Amen. Can we all stand to our feet? I want to receive our tithes and offering and just kind of continue our worship. Uh, Lord, we just thank you, Father God, that we have the opportunity to give and to bless you this morning, Lord. I just pray that your provision is upon your people, Father God, that you're just pouring blessings and miracles upon your people this morning, Lord. And we just thank you, Father God, for this opportunity to give. Can you go ahead and just bring it to the front when you're ready? We've got our offering baskets up here. If you're new and visiting, I met a couple new people today. Make sure you get a new visitor card filled out and, and to Mr. Ed. And this is the second time in a month he's reminded me I've got to get some, some new visitor bag gifts together. I'm working on that. As of tomorrow, I'm working on that.
Don't forget to keep Apostle and Miss Susan in your prayers. They've got a lot of travel going on the next couple weeks. It's going to be intense for them. It's going to be good for them. Amen. The Lord's doing some, some great things through Apostle and Miss Susan. We've got the, uh, the art dedication coming up on October 6th. Remember, you don't have to pay, but you still need to register online. So Don has a head count of who's coming. Um, September 20th through 22nd, Apostle's involved in a really cool meeting in uh, Benton, Arkansas. And this meeting has been taking place at a Methodist church for 151 consecutive years, which that's a lot of years, right? And so uh, just keep that meeting in your prayer if you want to go. Again, there'll be some more details coming out. Miss Terry? Oh, there you are. You're, look at that timing. Good morning, Citygate. Okay, so on September the 15th, we're having another women's gathering. Who was at the last women's gathering that we had last month? Was it? No, it wasn't last month. It was in July. Who was there? We had a really awesome time. Amen. So we're going to do it again uh, September the 15th. Uh, it's going to be a brunch. So it's going to be at 10 o'clock. And Chriselda, raise your hand, Chriselda. Chriselda is going to be uh, passing out a sign-up sheet you know, next week for those uh, who would like to bring something. So, uh, again, September the 15th at 10 o'clock will be the next women's brunch. Amen? Okay. Amen, and I will take home all the leftovers. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Man, isn't brunch good? Um, <laughs> November 9th and 10th, we're going to have our men's retreat. Yeah, go men. Arr. We're going to be going down to Tishomingo and spending a night and doing some hiking and some camping and whatever other stuff men do. I don't know. I don't know what men do. I, I guess they just eat pork rinds. Like when I was a kid, that's like what I thought men did was watch football and eat pork rinds, but that's like not. I don't do it. Well, I like pork rinds and football, but I don't ever like seem to do the two at the same time. Amen. Miss um, Deb is going to Israel. Let's give a big hand clap for Miss Deb. We're excited for Miss Deb. She's going the 17th through the 29th of this month. She still needs your prayers, and she'll need them the whole trip. She still is very willing to take donations. Amen. They don't have to stop, do they, Miss Deb? No, that's right. So we want to keep Miss Deb in, in our prayers. We're excited about what God's going to do through her in Israel. Amen. Um, today is a very special day. So four years ago on this date, my daughter Josephine was born. Amen. Was it your birthday? So I, we've been, if you have kids or you're going to have kids, when they're like three and four, you hear about the birthday all year long. You hear about, like tomorrow, we'll, we'll hear about when she turns five. So that's just how that works. But uh, we've been hearing about it all week, and we've been talking about it all week. And I was talking to Bree last night. So Josephine was breached, so Bree had to have a C-section, and we went to the doctor. And we had a, it was, it was Labor Day. We had Mike and Jess over, and we did like a little cookout thing. And we were pretty positive the next day that we were going to have Josephine. I could just feel it. I just, I had that feeling. So we go to the doctor about 1030, and he says, yep. He's like, you need to go to the hospital. He's like, we're going to have this baby today. And Bree and I are kind of freaking out because we never had kids. And so Bree's like, I got to call everyone and tell everyone. And so I'm like, okay, you get on the phone. And I'm going to drive through Wendy's because I'm not going to be able to eat for a little while, okay? <laughs> and she's like, what? She's like, but I'm not going to be able to eat for a while. I'm like, I know, but you're on the phone, so just let me go to Wendy's and then eat in the parking garage. But then a couple hours later, Josephine was born, and then now we've got four kids. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for all your blessings and your provision. 
Again, all those, all those in need of babies, you just come to our house. I'll give you a, a glass of water. You can go on your merry way. You have a bunch of, you have a bunch of kids, maybe a bunch of girls. Amen. Um, our children are going to stay in this morning because it is the first Sunday of the month. But uh, I want to transition our service over to Brother Janu. Are you ready? Brother Janu is going to bring the word this morning. Go sit, go sit down. Is it the video? It should show up. Yep, there you go. All right, all right. Praise God. You know, um, I'm going to request Lourdes to come forward and then kick us off in prayer and uh, let's pray for the fire. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Come on. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's sacrifice some praise. Come on. Glory, 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 glory to God, glory to the Lamb. Oh Lord, it is your blood. Oh Jesus, it is your blood that made possible that we could step on the trading floors. Oh Lord, we thank you. Come on, tell them thank you for your blood. Thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus right now, we feel your glory in this place. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the blood of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what he did. So now, Father, we seal this place right now. And we call forth the angels of heaven to come around us right now. Lord, open the portals of the throne room right now. And Father, we call upon the seven spirits of God right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we know and we thank you that you want to show things that are new to our eyes, but they have been eternal. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that you, Holy Spirit, are our teacher. You are our teacher. Father, bless your vessel, Janu, right now. Lord, you said in your word in Psalms 25, 14, that the secret of the Lord, the secret of the Lord is with those who love him and fear him, and that you show your covenant to them, Father, in the name of Jesus. I declare right now, we declare in the power of agreement, everybody that's here, we declare that this new revelation will become ours from this day henceforth. And Father, we declare that as you have changed my husband and our lives with this teaching, Lord, that you will change lives today. Open the ears of our spirit. Open our eyes that we may see what you are seeing. And open, Lord, we open our hearts. Say to the Lord, I open my heart to you today, Lord. So I can learn from you. In Jesus' name. 
Come on, clap your hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was wrestling with God the whole week as to, Lord, what is the it that I need to bring to your house? And the Lord was very clear because I tried to change it, but he wouldn't let me. So uh, we're going to study about the trading floors, how to do kingdom business. Trading floors. Everyone say trading floors. You know, um, while we are sitting right now, there is a lot of transactions going on in the heavenly realm as we are speaking. The uh, powers of darkness are seriously engaged in keeping us, the human race, down, suppressed, ignorant, and uh, just useless, to be honest with you. Devil is uh, okay as long as we are just following the mundane. You know, wake up in the morning, go to work, come back, and then go to bed. Same cycle. He does not want the human race to wake up to their divine inheritance, to their divine identity. He does not want you to find the divinity in you. Devil don't want you because that's a threat for his kingdom. As long as he can keep you down and under, he is succeeding. So this trading floors teaching, I'm sure this was prevalent back in the first century. Somewhere along the line, the enemy, as he tried to hide the word of God for years, until 1900s, the scrolls were found, Bible started to be restored. Now new revelations are pouring forth, new wine teachings. You know why? To make you and I are champions. Not just average believers, but he wants us to be champions in life. He wants us to conquer and reign over the life. Jesus knew this trading business really well. If you turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 49. Hallelujah. Jesus, help me, Lord. Jesus said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business. Everyone say, I must be about my father's business. Jesus was very clear on what he needs to be engaged in and what he will be performing while he's here on, while here on earth. Actually, if you look at the root word for business, it has to do with trading. You can go back and study on the word business as Jesus proclaimed it. It has to do with trading. And he said, why are you looking for me here and there? I'm about, if, if, if you want to find me, I'll be always engaged in what? The Father's business. I'm about trading in the heavenly realms. I, I don't have time to waste watching TV. I don't have time to pursue what the world is pursuing. I'm about engaging in heavenly trading. Hallelujah. The condition of where we are today, each one of us, is an outcome of our trading in the past days, or the past months, or the past years. There should be no surprise to anyone why we are where we are today. It is a result of our trading or conducting business in the heavenlies. And I'm going to teach you how to be a master trader in the heaven realms. Hallelujah. Before that, I want to show you a trading for analogy. 
Uh, when we say trading floors, uh, a lot of people, the first thing comes to their mind is New York Stock Exchange. Trading floor in New York, very busy place. Hundreds or thousands of people trading stocks, commodities, and many other items. Millions or actually billions of dollars moving through the NYS New York Stock Exchange, maybe the largest stock exchange in the world. What happens in a trading floor is a trader comes to a setting, a post like this, and they try to transact. I, like I said, stocks, commodities, securities, whatever it could be. It could be if there's a trade happening when a trader comes to the floor and transacts with other officials there. The goal is, at the end of the day, to come forth with the harvest. No one goes trading with the mindset of, I'm going to get a loss today. The goal of trading is to ensure that I have a profit at the end of the day. So whatever happens in the natural, or good things that happen in the natural, usually is a replica of what's happening in the spiritual. Bigger than New York Stock Exchange, there is another trading floor. Do you know where it is? Let's look at this. Revelation 5.11, turn with me there. It says, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. Hallelujah. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. Man, what a sight. I don't know if this cartoon can, or this picture can make justice to this, but you're looking at myriad, multitude of angels in the heavenly trading floors. Bigger than New York Stock Exchange. High-level, complex trading happening in the heaven realms. They're to totally engaged in this. And God looks from heaven and looks down on earth to see if there is anyone on earth that would trade with me. That would diligently do kingdom business. Because angels are waiting Great blessings are waiting, wealth is waiting, health is waiting, but it's all waiting until you know how to trade and bring it down to your life. Hallelujah. There's no default release on anything, my friends. You got to learn how to tap in to what God has in store. Hallelujah. You see, oil was in the Middle East since God formed earth, but they tapped into it maybe around 100 years ago or 150 years ago. But the oil was there until the British came and uh, with superior technology drilled the oil. They were having camels and desert and really barrenness. So even the Christians today, a lot of us are facing barrenness, fruitlessness. There is no movement even though the Bible says all things pertaining to life and godliness has been released. But very few are experiencing it because you don't know how to get this down. You have no idea sometimes on how to transact in the heavenlies. All things, Jesus said this way, all things are possible. Come on, say all things. All things are possible to those who believe. Hallelujah. There is no exceptions here. With God, all things are possible. I don't put any limit or any cap on God. That's why I got out from denominations and places that put a cap on God. I said, no, I can't do that. 
God is more than what you can imagine or think or ask. You can't put a limit or a lid on him. Hallelujah. Jesus. So there's a heavenly trading, great trading going on. And the angels are just waiting to fly onto your lives and release what is yours. Thank you, Lord. And we'll see how to get this uh, move released for you. One of the first accounts of the trading floors, you know who had it? Jacob. Jacob, a called man, after many years of wandering, he lay down in this wilderness, and this, he had this dream. It says, Jacob had a dream in which he saw a stairway or a ladder resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were doing what? Ascending and descending. Angels, you know, there's no trading going on. Angels could have just stayed in the heavens. Why were angels going up and going down? Think about it for a second. They will go up with what man provides or offers up to God, and they come down with the answers down here on earth. There's a continual transition. Even now, while we are praying, while you're sitting, depending on what your focus is, your energy level is, that's why the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. It all depends on the individual. You can either love the Lord your God with half of your heart or some of your heart or with all of your energy. How much zeal, how much energy are you going to put to kingdom business? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So Jacob saw this, had a glimpse of this heavenly trading floor transactions. It's like an escalator maybe. Angels going up and down, moving forth, doing kingdom business. Hallelujah. And when uh, Jesus said this in John, the book of John chapter 1, he says, He said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending unto the Son of Man. Jesus. So, God does not want us to be stale in some conservative kind of mentality from a Christian perspective. He wants to open our dimensions. He wants, to know, he wants us to know that there is more than what your five senses can feel, sense, touch, uh, see. There is way more than that. There is a spirit realm. And he said when God opens your spiritual eyes, you're going to see heavenly transactions moving forth. Angels ascending. Angels descending on the Son of Man. As I mentioned in the beginning, God wants us to become master traders in the heavenlies. You know why? What's the goal of God causing us to understand this? So that you will really know how to reign and rule in this life. Instead of life causing us to be victims of life, he, God wants to teach us how to catch the bull by the horns. And you master on how to do this. Hallelujah. Amen. So even from the beginning, in the book of Genesis, we see one of the main goals of God was to give man dominion, to dominate, to rule, to reign over life. See, of all the creation, when you see animals, birds, angels, None had been created in the image of God. Only us, the human race, every one of us sitting here. 
sons and daughters of God. There's no one else superior like us. That's why we subdued even the largest of animals. We subdue the nature. We subdue the environments. We clear the trees and forests and build the houses. God created us in his own image. Thank you, Lord. Romans 5.17 says, Those who receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So the goal is that you and I to reign, to rule in life. He wants the whole human race, in fact, to come to a place to realize their original dominion, coast to coast, all nations. That's what Jesus said, go on to all the world and make disciples. He wants to cause a new pedigree of people to rise up, people who know their God and people who know who, know who they are. Hallelujah. So originally, if you look at the trading floor uh, concept, it all was first showed, even though uh, trading was happening way beyond man, before man was created. To man, this was introduced in the Old Testament. You can see the system of sacrifices in the Old Testament. Uh, so if you read Exodus, Leviticus, you can see a pattern of how, what, how God told people to transact. It wasn't a simple prayer. God didn't tell people, you just come on and have a simple prayer. There was a method. There was a concept involved on how you approach God. He told Moses and gave him specifications on how to build the temple, how to build the tabernacle. Even today, this is, even though we are not living in a physical uh, temple anymore, there are specifications. There are clear blueprints on how we build and trade with God. Hallelujah. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So God's main goal of having churches and or, uh, Christian organizations is to have a venue for people to come and do trading. Hallelujah. There has to be proper trading. You know why? Because God wants us to remain in a blessed state. Without trading, there is no release of blessings either. Without proper trading, it's like me sitting at home, not going to the stock exchange. I'm not getting any money that day if I'm a broker. I have to physically go there and go to the post, talk to the traders, transact, and do the transaction. So house of prayer, God instituted this great uh, institution called church should be the house of prayer where people can come in multitudes and do heavenly transactions so that whatever belongs to you can be released to you. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So Matthew 21, 12, you see what happened in Israel like any other nation. They went into idolatry. It says Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were selling and buying in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who were selling doves. The Lord couldn't handle what was happening to the house of prayer. It became a place for business, human business. Selling this, selling that, selling necklace and selling, I don't know what happens today, but you know the similar version today. 
God said, this is not a place for commercial business. This is a place where you teach your people on how to do kingdom transactions so that they can withdraw what needs to be withdrawn to fulfill their divine destiny. And when the Lord looked at the human race, the devil had so corrupted this trading system and made a mess even inside the church. Leave the church outside, but even inside the church. So he had to take the whip and, and drive these people out. Even in church today, there are many like this. Only agenda is commercial benefit or some other agenda. But I'm telling you, if you have any other agenda than doing kingdom business while you are in church, you will be driven out by the angels of God. If not today, it will happen tomorrow. I know I've seen so many instances where people who are not serious come to churches and God is not pleased with that. When you come to church, be serious about kingdom business. It's for your benefit. It's not for his benefit. He wants to wake you up and release you into your divine destiny. Amen. Hallelujah. And again, talking about kingdom transactions in Matthew 6, verse 20, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. See, we know this verse. We looked at it in a different lens before. But I want you to start looking at it from a trading floor lens from now on. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. This is 99% of the human race. They wake up early in the morning, work late till late night, and have a few dollars, and then they break their back and spend all the savings in the hospital, and they're gone. Because they're so busy transacting only in the earth plane. They're so short-sighted that they can't see beyond they don't know, they can't understand that there is another dimension where there is supernatural provision, supernatural supply, where the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills can have another stream to bless you. And I'm not joking because I experienced that. I live that kingdom economy lifestyle daily. Because there is a reality and God wants to get all his people out of the enemy's yoke which is very tough, anxiety, worry, job insecurities, because you're so reliant on the human system, and worry is eating you up. So God says, stop storing for yourselves these treasures on earth. Or in other words, don't put your energy and focus on that. If you have 24 hours a day, don't spend the whole 16 hours that you're awake in earthly transactions alone, and you have no time to do any prayer, no reading, no giving, nothing, and your life just goes on. You're hoping that some, someday life will change. That's not the case. But when you say, what does he recommend? He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not. See, this is talking about kingdom trading. He's saying there is another dimension where you can spend your time. I'm not saying don't go to work, but your focus should be around trading with God on a day-to-day -day basis because you're making deposits in the heavenly trading floors. Every time you make a deposit, you can also withdraw something even higher. Hallelujah. Jesus. So you deposit, 
your withdrawal is going to be way more than what you deposit. Mm. That's called good investment. When you have good investment, if you deposited $10, you ain't going to get $10 after five years. It's going to multiply. I'm just putting a sim simple number. They say if you deposited $1,000 in Amazon when Amazon was founded, you would be sitting as a millionaire right now. Similarly, Google, janitors who worked in Google had been given stock options early during Google when they were formed. Now, most of them are retired, sitting in millions of dollars, janitors, because that investment multiplied in the course of a decade, and they are done, they're retired. Kingdom investment. I give provision to my beloved in their sleep. They don't have to work, they don't have to toil, because they, he or she, is invested in spending time on kingdom transactions. Everyone has 24 hours a day. What you do with that 24 hours will decide your destiny. It's your choice. No one has any extra time. We all have been given equal opportunity from a time management perspective. It's up to you whether you will watch some useless soap on TV, some useless romantic stuff on TV, or useless sports on TV, or will you do something kingdom transactions where you will close your door and cry out to the God in prayer. Kingdom transactions. He says, thieves cannot break or steal this deposit when you do heavenly trading. Jesus. So I want to give you some history real quick on how this trading analogy really happened, how this whole concept happened. Because many people wonder, how come, what did the devil do to get kicked out of heaven? We're going to look at this. The, uh, Satan, he was, was originally his name was Lucifer. He was one of the anointed cherubim. He say, the Bible says, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. Fiery stones is again, I don't know how many of you have seen on TV or even YouTube. You can look at some sacrificial systems around the world. Other gods, they have sacrifices on a, a coals, fiery coals. They'll bring their sacrifices, burn it up to God. So in heavenly trading, there's be the, the, it is made up of fiery stones where sacrifices come. It goes up as smoke, pleasing unto God. But he say, the Bible says the, the, uh, Satan was so close to this trading floor. In fact, he was the chief coordinator of the trading floor. And when he saw this, because he was like seeing millions of transactions of worship toward God. Every time you bring trading, when you worship, when you lift your hands, it's all going to the floor. And when, uh, when Satan, who is the chief coordinator, was taking a look at this, he was like, whoa, look at the worship that this mighty God is getting. Look at the amount of goods from gold to uh, silver to praises to anything that you can imagine getting piled up daily in the heavenly trading floors. And when he saw this, I don't know if you've ever been to any of the Middle Eastern countries like uh, Dubai or some of these wealthy countries. It's just fantasy, right? Meaning so wealthy that <laughs> I'm, I, I won't be surprised if they have streets of gold soon. What I'm trying to say is, when the devil saw this 
glitter and gold, meaning the, the splendor of heavens. He said, why on earth can't I also have a trading floor like this? Because you see, only when you are in that kind of environment, you will understand what the devil's feeling was. This is, it is not an average thing, okay? This is talking about him being the chief coordinator in the midst of all splendor. And he's just watching this daily. And he's just amazed at what is happening toward God. The worship and the offerings that is coming in. In the praises of our great God, who is deserving for, of, all wor of all honor, of all glory. Amen. He deserves it. What a God we serve. You know, when I step out and look at the skies, when I'm on an aircraft, when I see this whole realm, I'm like, oh my God. This is amazing, right? He's deserving of all glory and honor. Because it's not like he's some dictator sitting up there asking you, just worship me. No. He wants us to enjoy the same blessings and privileges because what you give in, you get as well. So what you deposit is also withdrawn in a, in a bigger fashion so that you can walk like gods on earth. So Satan, here's iniquity. This is the sin of the devil. Many people try to just say it was pride. Yes, pride was the root of it. But what he did was he wanted another trading floor just like what God had. That's all. This was as simple as that. Satan, the chief coordinator who was so, is like the right-hand man of God back then, he wanted same worship because he was like, oh, man, why can't I get some of this? The temptation was too strong. Now, the Bible, look at the last verse. It says he became filled with violence. Not only now he wanted to have a trading floor on the side, but he wanted to overthrow his creator. Whoa, what a fool. <laughs> and then, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hallelujah. In a split second, he was out. Kicked out of the heavenly splendors. Didn't take much. Blink of an eye. Even, I think lightning is faster than the blink of an eye. Gone. Into the lower plane called earth. Now, you got to understand, all spirits that God created cannot die. None of it. Anything. Angels, humans. There is no eternal death for anything that God has created, whether it's angels or people. This is why at the end, the Bible doesn't say the devil was killed by death, but he will be released for what? Eternal torment. Actually, eternal torment is worse than death. You would wish you were, you were dead, but you cannot die. And every one of us sitting here, even though your physical body will die at some point, your spirits never die. You will either enjoy eternal joy in the presence of God, or you, either you will be in the eternal fire suffering forever. It's horrible. But the thing, the way God created is, no spirit that God created can die permanently. That's how God designed it. There's no permanent death for spirits. It's either eternal joy or eternal suffering, eternal damnation. But I'm telling you, if you were in hell, you would, be, you would wish you were dead and gone. The pain is beyond 
even when we go through some hell-like experiences here, it is beyond our capacity to handle. Right? We would just wish these problems would just go away. That's a sample of hell. Imagine over there. So what I'm trying to say is Satan was not... You could have said, why couldn't just God just destroy Satan? No, he's a, Satan is a spirit too. He's an angelic spirit. And so he, he comes down on earth. He was not killed, but he was put in a lower plane. But then God, you know, God has a sense of humor. God creates, for the first time, someone in his own image to show true dominion what it means to walk like God's. What is the devil's original goal? To overthrow God and take that place. Here now God creates a whole race without them asking for this and said, you are God's. I'm going to give you the dominion. I'm going to make you judges and rulers over this realm. And guess who hates that now? The fallen devil. So let's read this. It says, man who was created in the image of God through the fall. What happened at the fall? This was devil's tactic. He lost his divine consciousness. The only race, no elephant, no insects, no trees, none of these have a, con a consciousness of divinity. They all were created for us, for us people, for gods. They were created. Only, only people, only species on earth that was created in the image of God is us. No one else. Not even angels. Even angels are one step lower than us. The angels, the Bible says, are what? Ministering spirits to, to help us, to assist us in our purposes, in our salvation, and in the purposes that God has for us. Hallelujah. Now, when, when devil tricked uh, Adam and Eve on the, in the garden, what happened? The Bible says, let's look at Genesis. It says, you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. This was a commandment from God. God said, my, 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 my son, my daughter, do not eat from this tree. The minute you do it, your spiritual death will happen. In other words, you will die of your divine consciousness. Many of us, I'm not uh, condescending on anybody, many of you sitting here are still dull in your minds. You still haven't fully awakened to the divinity in you. You're still wondering what's going on in the churches. What is, you're, you're here, that's good. You're getting close to your awakening. When you're fully awakened, the God showed me a vision, seven lampstands, seven, all the seven lampstands or candles were lit. When the fully awakened stage is when a man or a woman fully understand, understands their divine identity, they are fully restored back to their divinity. They are now no longer sin conscious. They are fully conscious about the spirit that they are. But what happened in the garden? Death happened. Suddenly man who was walking in divine worth and esteem died in mentally. He just got confused. And devil used that opportunity to distort and create all sorts of false religions. Because in religions what happens? There is trading happening. If you go to a Catholic church, go to a Hindu temple, you go, go to a Muslim mosque, what happens there? Transactions are happening, but not toward who? The true God. 
And guess who is, the, who is behind that? The false god called the devil. So when a Muslim comes and kneels down three times a day in a mosque, who is getting the worship? Satan. And this is what he wanted. He's prepared alternate uh, counterfeit trading floors because he's like an egomaniac. He just wants worship. And today, Muslims invest millions of dollars in the mosque. They bring us offerings. All this is now going to his trading floor. Muslims also are who? Are children of the Most High God. They lost their divine consciousness, and now they're trading in who? With, with the enemy. And Jesus said, go unto all the world, restore my people. Go to Saudi Arabia, go to the Middle East, because these are my people. They are not Muslims. The devil labeled them Muslims. They are my people. My, their, their worship needs to come to the true trading floors so that I can bless them the way I need to bless them. Jesus. So the devil set up two trading floors. Sorry, uh, there are two trading floors today. The trading floor of God and then the trading floor of Satan. The enemy hasn't given up just because you are in the church. <laughs> I'm telling you. Just because you got baptized and born again, he still has you subtly trading with him. Hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting where we are today. I'm telling you, in meeting our, where we are in life. Once you come to the fullness of trading practices with God, then you would become a firebrand for God. You are going to be a kingdom shaker and builder. You're going to uproot some things, you're going to build, you're going to move fast and take territory. But unfortunately, that has not happened yet because the enemy still has us subtly trading with him without our full knowledge. It's like, you know, you have millions of dollars in the account, but there is this fraud scammer taking pennies from your account every day. You are not even aware of it. <laughs> and it's uh, sapping off your account little by little. So as long as man trades on the floors of the devil, he will remain enslaved, asleep, and cannot fulfill his divine purpose, man or woman. If you want to reach your kingdom purposes and destiny, you have to quickly make a switch. This is up to us. And I'm going to show you how do you take an audit on that on what our activities are on a daily basis. We have to take an audit. See, when we go for a weight loss, one of the first thing, weight loss training or whatever, one of the first things the trainers do is they take a log and write down, what did you eat this day? How, where, where did you go? You know, they just want to see your pattern. Where is it that the weight is creeping up? How is that? You're like, I, I'm eating normal. I'm, I'm, I don't understand this. But then he writes it down, breaks it down, and he wants to see where is the leak happening? And we're going to do that today. So the enemy wants to keep us what? Asleep. Asleep means just a regular average human being. Going to work, toiling, sleeping. Going to work, toiling, sleeping. Oh, you're 75? Funeral service arranged, gone. A man or a woman created in the image of God, dead without any purpose fulfilled. What a horrible state. 
And that's not the case. It should, that's not how it should be. Every one of us sitting here are, is a unique expression of God. And you, are, you have a unique contribution to make in the kingdom and in the world. Because you are indispensable. Many people say you are not, you are not indispensable. That's not the case. Everybody is indispensable. You guys are so important and vital to the kingdom. First John 3 verse 8 says, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. See, I, I didn't bring this verse up to condemn you. I want to show you something else here. He says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. What it means is, from the garden, the devil has programmed people to practice sin or error. Doesn't mean you're a sinner. You're a victim of evil programming. And that's why, look at the next sentence. says, this is why the Son of Man came to destroy his works. Because it's not fair. It's not fair on you or him or me to do an evil programming and make us practice what? Sin. It is not fair. And the Lord up here says, this is not our inheritance. This is not how Linda or I should be or anybody should be. What should we be? We should be walking freely as divine beings here on earth, doing the work of God, doing the righteousness of God. Societies, you know, when we look at the inner cities, it's very easy to point fingers and say, drunkards, drug addicts. But I'm telling you, it's been an evil programming embedded into them through the enemy. Until the church goes out there. When I say church, anointed people go out there. There will be no release. No rehabilitation programs, no governmental programs can break these patterns. Anointed people like Jesus would have to go and destroy the works of the enemy. Evil programming has to be undone from these societies and places. And when we look at these people, let's not point fingers at them. Understand that there is something behind it. It's very easy to say that thug or this criminal. No, no, no. That is a son of God. That's a daughter of God. Distorted, needing our help. Jesus. Redeeming the fallen man, that is the entire world, we are fallen, but redeeming them, meaning getting them somehow saved, starts with first through the blood and the spirit of Jesus Christ. Because it is not easy as you think. The enemy will not allow you to immediately call Turkey to switch from his trading floor to God's trading floor. He will not. I recently even had prophecies saying, man, the enemy is so upset that you are not serving what your forefathers served. Because my forefathers used to be idolaters. They didn't know any better. But the Lord brought me to this land. I was saved here in the United States. I came from India. I was saved here. The American dream was fulfilled. Because what is you know what Dutch sheet says? The American dream is to spread the light of the gospel to all nations. I have many Chinese friends who didn't know God, came to this land, God say they're Christians serving God now. That's a true American dream, where America will be set as a city on a hill, a light unto all nations, where all nations will gather for true freedom. 
the freedom in Christ Jesus. Restoring the whole world back to the divine identity. Black, white, yellow, brown, no matter what, Asian, Hispanic, everybody, unique expression of God, waiting to shine for God. Hallelujah. What a glorious day that would be when the whole world will be filled with the glory of God. Hallelujah. The whole earth filled with the knowledge of their divine worth and the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That their sins are remitted. They are accepted in the beloved. Come on. That's the call. Come on. Be baptized into Christ Jesus. That's the call. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So it starts with that. So Jesus had to pay his own life to ransom the human race out of the trading floor bondage of the enemy. It was not a small price. Because the enemy had us tightly bound, kept on his trading floor, making us serve him like a programmed robot daily. We would go do ignorant things daily. Go bow down before idols daily. But then the blood of the Lamb that speaks greater. He ransomed us out. Because only the blood had the power to, to snatch us out of these evil trading floors. That nothing else had power. <coughs> Nisha, can I have some water, please? Thank you, Jesus. And he said, I, <clears throat> I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. Thank you. To the other towns also, because that's what I was sent for. Jesus said this. The good news of the kingdom of God. Listen to me, my friends. The kingdom of God, gospel, many people say, I've been a Christian, but I just don't know how to present the gospel. That is true, though. Many of us do not know what to say when we are with a non-believer. It's a tough situation. I'm going to give you a simple version. Your goal is to wake your friend up. To somehow get him out of his idolatry or his vain practices to come and meet the living God. And that would be as simple as saying, Jesus is the only way, the truth, and life. You can start with that. Or you can just say, can I, may I just say a word of prayer for you? Because I had a friend who used to debate with me and say, how do you know this is real? And how do you know that the Bible is real and is true? And I said, my friend, give me a second. You know, I can't explain all this to you right now. Let me just have you experience God, I said. Do you mind I can say a word of prayer, I asked him. He said, yes. I prayed and spirit fell on him. There was no more debate whether there was a God. <laughs> There's only so much our words can say. I wanted him to experience there's, there's a living God. And he did that night. It, was, it could have been weird, but he was like, oh my God. There's more than what I can feel on, in my five senses. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so Jesus came and said, I must proclaim the good news. That I love my people. The whole human race. And the kingdom is near. Kingdom meaning... Your awakening to the divinity in you is near. The kingdom of God is where? Is in you. And he just wants to wake it up back and say, you are not some inferior fool sitting here. You are God. 
You are children of God. You know, I recently asked somebody, what do you call the children of lion? Lion cubs, correct? Lion cubs. But when the lion cubs grow, do you still call them lion cubs? What do you call them? Lions. When children of God grow, what do they become? Gods. And Jesus said it this way in the book of Psalm, isn't it written, all of you are gods. Meaning all of you are divine beings sitting here under the great king, Jesus Christ. We are not animals. Everyone sitting here is a wonder. We all are so unique and beautiful expressions of God. We are, no, we are not inferior. You have so much potential in you. And Jesus came and said, I want to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Kingdom meaning the reality of divinity in each person. I want to wake them up and have them stop worshipping these foolish idols and the deaf and dumb idols. I want to show them how to transact in the heavenly realms. They are living so inferior in a, such a low plane today because they are worshipping HBO and Cinemax and all this junk, wasting time. I asked a real friend, how did you spend your weekend when I was catching up on all the stuff that I missed on TV? He had it recorded. I'm not trying to mock him, but that's a sad state. Yeah. Doing kingdom, instead of doing kingdom transactions, he's wasting time on worldly transactions. He's oppressed, bound, and he's got so much issues. But he thinks this is how the life is. Sickness is uh, a fate. Marriage breakups are a fate. They, so many, the human race is kind of subjected to something called fate. They think this is how it is. That's not the case. Christ came to restore us into proper transactions so that you can be blessed and walk in, walk in divine identity. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, someone, someone shout hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus came to restore man to proper consciousness and restore proper trading so that man, you and I, can be blessed, remain in a blessed state. The Bible says peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. What a condition is that? Amazing bliss, huh? Peace, joy, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. Love it. And so then the Lord says, yet a time is coming. He's talking about the kingdom trading because Jesus came and paid a price of his life, not for, not for some joke. He came so that man can be restored back in proper, sane transactions and fulfill his purpose. And he says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. This is the kingdom reality when one day everything will be restored whole human race without veil in their eyes they will worship God in spirit and in truth hallelujah to worship God in spirit and in truth meaning to worship God without any sin consciousness spirit to spirit I'm not my sin I'm not my flesh I'm a divine cre creation of God and I worship my creator with true, clear um, flow. There is no hindrance. Worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Spirit to spirit. Without any sin consciousness. 
really understanding who I am and then worshiping God with gratitude, with gratefulness, in truth. This is true worship. So without man waking up and coming to a church building, he's not worshiping in spirit and in truth. He's just worshiping. With the, it's not bad, you know, that's better than nothing. But his, the true state of God, the true end state that God wants is that each one of us will worship him without veil. Meaning, meaning our eyes are not dimmed anymore, that we can see that we are truly sons and daughters, and then we worship him in spirit and in truth. No more condemnation, no more guilt. Whew. You know, that is a state where the fire would have to cleanse us. That's why, you know, I want fire every time we meet. Fire to purge off all those guilt and condemnation and filters out. Because I'm spirit. Come on, everybody say, I'm spirit. I'm holy. I'm righteous. I'm clean. I'm not my flesh. You're God's, my friends. You're divine. So as I mentioned before, a lot of Christians today are ignorant of these practices and are facing heavy casualties. So we are looking at divorce rates are high in the church, sickness is high in the church, financial breakdowns. Kingdom people are supposed to be some of the wealthiest people in the world. Broke, miserable. Because we are not, but now, you might ask me, how are those guys rich then? They are doing good trading with the, the devil. <laughs> but they are doing trading. See, nobody can expect anything without trading. You either trade with the devil, or you trade who, where? With God. This is why uh, Satan came to Jesus and said, Hey, I'll give you all this if you trade with me. Bow down. So, the worldly wealthy people, a lot of them, are trading where? On the floors of the enemy. Because otherwise there is no release. To get what you need, there has to be trading in one of the floors. I was even told prophetically that many in the power, in political administrations and places of power, are doing active trading in the floors of the enemy. They do several witchcraft, they do several sacrifices. The general public don't know this. To keep their power intact, they actively worship the devil. Now, unfortunately, they don't know about the true God, and they're going whoring after the enemy. As I mentioned, ungodly trading, some of this involves false religion, idol worship, media, entertainment, sports. When it goes overboard, any of these, what happens? Satan has subtly withdrawing from your promises. He is tapping out of what belongs to you when he has you subtly trading with these floors. These are some of, this is our everything. I'll bring that up the next time, more stuff. But ungodly trading, by and large, in America, is happening through some stuff that pleases our flesh. Hmm. False religion is prevalent all around the world. You know that, as I said. Mormon is worshiping a distorted God. The book of what? Mormon and written by an angel called Morani. Just imagine that. Even just, <laughs> just the word moron or more. They should understand that this is a deception. I don't understand. It's so clear. Angel Morani wrote the book of Mormon, it seems. That itself, you know that it's junk. 
throw it out. But educated people, people who have degrees and PhDs, going to the Mormon temple. This is, this is sad. People are asleep. And the enemy has bound them and called them to trade in the floors of a demon. Similarly, Hindus, Muslims, the conscience, conscience is bound. Now, all these people, like I said, can be businessmen or doctors and all that. But with, when it comes to faith, they are asleep. That's why Jesus said, what good does it do for a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? I'll put my version here. What good does it uh, do for a man to gain the whole world but not to be awakened? If you are not awakened, you can gain the whole world, but you will die at 70 or 80 or whenever, but you, you would have died asleep, meaning your conscience never came to your divine identity. That's a sad state. Jesus wants the kingdom of God to come upon everybody. He wants you to operate in your divine identity. It's very important. That's why we pray, thy kingdom come. Where? On earth. God wants everybody awakened to their divine identity. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth, not just on one place. The whole earth needs to be awakened because you all are gods. But now operating in such an inferior plane beneath your potential because you are not fully awakened. But we are getting close to the awakening every time we meet we pray we are together. We are stepping closer towards the fullness of light. Now the Bible says the path of a righteous man is like the shining light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. We are going towards the perfect day. Don't worry. Everybody is going. That's a promise already by God that everyone is going to shine for God. Hallelujah. As I said, ungodly trading has to stop in the church too. Many a times, including my life, subtly we, we make compromises. We say, oh, that is okay, but this is, but no, God wants absolute trading with him. Uh, Book of James says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Hallelujah. There is no gray line here. Black or white. This is where, like I said, many, many sincere Christians are still struggling and not able to fulfill their destiny or purpose because there is subtle compromises still in their lives. They are not, because the enemy won't release you until you are fully out and done with him. He still likes your worship. Even though we come here on Sundays and preach and praise, Monday through Friday we got to audit just like that personal trainer writes a log down. What you ate at 8 a.m., what you, you need to see. What did I do at 12 p.m. yesterday? Where, who am I hanging out with? What am I watching? Because he, the devil is such a nitpicky guy. He's, he's writing down every ungodly transaction you're making. He's like, she just worshipped me earlier. I'm just going to put a hold on her right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. One of the first things you see in Second Chronicles, you know, Israel was polluted by this kind of ungodliness. And one of the first things Asa, the king, did was, look at this. He says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. He removed the foreign altars. The first thing you can do is take an audit and clean up your life. 
Today is the day. This is the day. If you hear the voice of the Lord, do not harden your hearts today. You're not late. Check your lives and say, where am I worshiping the enemy still? What in my lifestyle need to be completely cut off? Jesus said it this way, if the eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. You know the area that need to be completely cut off from your life. Check on, you know, you know it. He says, he removed the foreign altars, high places, shattered the sacred pillars, chopped down the Asherah poles. He commanded the people of Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to observe the law. And the, he restored the godly trading floors. He said, let's cut it down, smash it out, what doesn't belong in the kingdom floors. Whatever practices, giving, friends, I don't know who it is. You know it. Got to cut it out. You got to be zealous for the kingdom to keep shining brightly in your life. I'm going to show you some trading concepts real quick and then close. And the next time uh, or next week, I'll continue on this trading concepts. Number one, start early. Because people might ask, hey, what does it mean to trade on a daily basis? I'm going to show you some steps that you can apply right away. Okay? The first I already saw, you have to begin audit, clean up your life as to see where is the leakage happening? Where is the leakage happening in life? Which area that I need to stop practicing in my life? That's first, okay? Number one, from a daily practice perspective, start early. Meaning, wake up early every morning, unless you're pregnant or a mom or something like that. Okay? If you're healthy, <laughs> and if, you have, if you're active... I know we all like to sleep in. But in order to start trading effectively in the kingdom realm, this is a practice we have to follow. I know I don't like it, but the Lord prophetically told me several times, my son, I got so much to give you, I want you up early before even sun rises. Moses was called in the thick dark to the mount before Ten Commandments was released. Jesus went up to the mountain before it was Sunrise, several times. That's what is daily practice. If you want to reign and rule in life, now the world will say this to you. If you go to YouTube and say, five habits of billionaires, first thing they'll say is, wake up early. Steve Jobs, 4.30. Donald Trump, 3.30. I don't know what. I'm very serious. That's one of the general. But I'm talking biblically, prophetically, what the Lord said. If you want to reign and rule and start transacting in the kingdom floors, you got to wake up early. Let's read this. It says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see your power and your glory as I've seen in the sanctuary. And look at this. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went up and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I know our flesh don't want this. I know this. Even the ancient medical practice systems, when they analyze the human body, they say, when you sleep past sunrise, see, if you're still in the bed, two things sets into your body, passion and ignorance. <laughs> I know. 
passion and ignorance means our flesh is susceptible to all these temptations. But if you are in, so today, what was the sunrise time? I don't have my phone with me right now. I think 6.30 was the sunrise time. If you were still in bed past 6.30, two things naturally comes into the body. Passion, meaning tendency to have sleep more or do something stupid. And ignorance, meaning you are going into a more ignorant state spiritually. You're more dull. By the time you wake up, you're like a zombie again. Walking in. Wake up early. So science says you, the more you wake up early, the more alert you are for the rest of the day. That's physical aspect. Second aspect is that you would have ordered your day if you woke up early and set it right spiritually. They call it commanding your morning. You wake up before the devil does any evil programming. You see what I'm saying? You wake up early. You set the tone for the day. Because if you, otherwise what happens is by the time you're up, the enemy would have programmed the rest of the day. It's chaos after chaos. Wake up early. That's number one for trading. Because, that, uh, because people ask me, what does it mean to really do a trading practice? This is the first step. Learn to rise early. Is there any other choice? I apologize. There's, I haven't seen anything right now. Now, what do you, you might say, hey, I can still sleep in and still worship God. You can, but you're not going to get to the full potential. If you look at the world champions in any area, these are very disciplined athletes. If you want to be at, uh, disciplined and successful spiritually, you need to get this practice straight. The Lord has several times told me this personally, prophetically, to rise early. Rise early. I want you early up in my uh, private closet. I know we in America have kind of diluted everything. Yeah, whatever. I'll watch TV and read the Bible. You know, I'll swallow my burger and still look at my... It doesn't work like that. You've got to give full attention to God. There's no multitasking when it comes to spiritual life. You can multitask on other things. Take God seriously, and He will take you seriously. So I would say the ideal time today for the 6.30, at least try to be up by 6, if not 5.30. Try it. You know, maybe make incremental habits. 6.30, sunrise, try to wake up at 6.20 and try to get it up uh, backward. The reason being, I'm telling you, if you don't believe in the Christian uh, teaching, just look at the world stage, and they'll tell you this. Any successful, if you study any successful man or woman, they have the habit of rising up early. Yeah, I was surprised even Donald Trump. The man gets three or four hours of sleep. He wakes up very early, starts his day, boom. You think it's a joke that he's a president? No, they're very disciplined people. Now, our goal is not to wake up early in the morning and uh, read a commercial appeal. That's not our goal. <laughs> I don't want to hear how many people got shot in Memphis. That's not what I want to get in the presence of God, kneel down, and I want to get the strategy straight. You know what I do sometimes when I get up? I say, in the name of Jesus, I cancel every evil programming that the devil done in the night. I break every evil bindings. Because I, otherwise I cannot move forward. You don't understand. The spirit realm is like cobwebs. They'll try to bind you up. By the time you wake up, you're like so tired, you're fatigued, you don't know what to do. You just get in the car and go. So that's why you wake up early, you set the tone, you set the stage, and you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad. And when you release those words to the day, you're commanding your day, you're ordering your day. You might think, what does that words might do? No, no, I'm telling you, when a word is released, activity happens in the spirit realm. Especially when the word of God is released. Activity is re uh, happens in the spirit realm. It goes and brings into order your physical realm. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. Jesus. Number two, wake up in the morning, as I said, and let prayers rise up. The Bible says, you know, I want to share some personal things with you. So this is the stuff that the Lord has told me personally. And if you want, you can also follow these. As Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. He told me to daily declare the prayer of Jabez. Daily. So he said, when I come to the office, do pray, just declare this before I start my day. This is what the prayer of Jabez. Now it's prayer of Junu, and it can be prayer of Linda, and it can be prayer of uh, Lourdes. He says, oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, O God. Let your hand be with me, and keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. That's it. He just told me, every day, my son, I want you to just say this prayer. <laughs> and I'm not telling you out of my flesh. This is direct revelation. He said, just say this. So I was thinking at first, Lord, you know that you can protect me. Do I need to really say this? Yes, you definitely need to. I need your permission to get it. We, we, we are, you often think, hey, God knows everything. Why don't he just do it? No, no. It's as close as your mouth. You need to release it. Your blessing is as close as your mouth. It's waiting for the words of life to be released from out of your mouth. Even if you don't feel anything, just declare these words. Come on, everybody say this. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. And enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. And keep me from evil. That it may not grieve me. Hallelujah. And God granted his request. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hmm. And then he also told me to read Psalm 23 daily. Mm -hmm. This is again direct. God speaking to me. I'm not reading this from a textbook, but this is direct revelation. Psalm 23 daily. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Declare it out. Let the, let the cosmic realm know this, that the Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Vekorabasa. Jesus. Daniel was a master trader in the Old Testament. It says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed against him, he went home and knelt down as usual, as usual, just keep that in mind, in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day. Morning, afternoon, evening. I'm not trying to make this ritualistic, but it's like working out. If you don't have a specific workout time, you ain't going to work out. <laughs> he prayed three times a day, just as he has always done. This was not a new practice when problem hit. He always just did this and gave thanks to the God or his God. He was a master trader. As you know, 24 hours is split into three phases, morning, afternoon, evening. He will get into the gates 
of all these faces, and he will first give prayers and offerings to God. He knew he couldn't face the battalion and the battle of this day without tra trading with God on a frequent basis. See, in heaven, you don't have all this warfare, but unfortunately, until the devil is bound up, if you're not doing kingdom transactions, your life ain't going to be smooth. It's going to be hit and miss and bumps and pains and not smooth. Number three. So the first one, rise up early. Proper prayer times. Des number three is designated offerings. Designated offerings. To trade in the trading floors of the enemy. Sorry, for trading floors of God and not the enemy. You need to know how to do offerings. Jesus said in Matthew.